Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is yarn. <laughs> Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your favorite, most luxurious fiber. Grab your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and it is my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast, and also a knitter. Okay, so the yarn crawl for the Rose City was just two weeks ago, and I not only worked it, full disclosure, I work at a yarn store, but I also went on the crawl myself because apparently I just can't get enough yarn in my life. And it was absolutely fabulous. And you did it this year too, didn't you? I did. It was the first time that I went on the Rose City Yarn Crawl. First time I ever heard of it. Thanks to Don liking posts on Facebook. I saw it and found out about it. Social media being used for good and not ill. That's right. And bringing joy into the world in this time. So it was really exciting. I had not been... I tried very hard when I first moved here to Portland to avoid finding out about the local yarn stores. Sure. Because I don't have the best ability to say no to yarn. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And for those not familiar, we're not talking red heart pounds of love yarn here. We're talking something that can get pretty spendy pretty quick. Yeah. So I have limited myself to like Michaels and Joann's for the last four or five years, which is great. It's fine yarn. There's nothing wrong with Nothing wrong with it. And when you're mainly making amigurumi, which is stuffed animals, mm-hmm. Red Heart is perfect because mm-hmm. it holds its shape. But there is something pretty astonishingly delicious about high quality, luscious yarns and fibers. And like when I would go to Cannon Beach, mm-hmm. there's a yarn shop at Cannon Beach okay. that I go into. If I'm at the coast, I'm going to that yarn store. Uh huh. I think the first time I ever went to that yarn store was while I was on internship. So it was 2002. Oh my. And I went into that yarn store and I bought a pattern and I bought yarn and I bought my first bamboo crochet hook. Oh, wow. And I was at a conference there at Cannon Beach and I made a blanket throughout the conference. Mm-hmm. And it's still a blanket that's in my office. Nice. It's actually the blanket that's sitting in my office on my chair in there. So made that back in 2002 and... Those little local yarn shops with their luscious fibers are always delightful. They really are. So I've avoided finding out where they are in Portland. (laughs) And there are a lot of them in this town. There's a ton in this area. And so when the yarn crawl came up and Don mentioned it and then I saw the goodies, I thought, well... I'm a passport fiend. I'll take my McMenamin's passport skills and I'll put mm-hmm. a tease for the local yarn shop. And off I went on the adventure. What was your favorite part of the yarn crawl? I not only enjoy how different the stores are, because for those who don't knit, would think that yarn is yarn and they're all going to carry the same thing, but they really don't. Mm-mm. They're so individual. And that is fun to me. And honestly, it's as much about going with my group of friends as it is anything else. It's chatting in the car on the way to the store, talking about what you saw, what colors you like. Everybody likes something a little different. Everybody picks a color that you're like, wow, wouldn't have picked that for myself, but it looks great on you. Right. Right. That's what I enjoyed about it. But you did it solo. I did do it solo. So I'm a major introvert, even though people may not guess that about me. And I went to a couple of shops kind of as I could around work schedule for a couple of days. But on my big day, Saturday, where I did the most of the stores, I actually bartered with my husband. And like, 
<laughs> I just strictly left my family in the dust. <laughs> oh, he was going to be so sweet and come with me. Oh, like, no. He was willing to come with me, which is just so beautiful. Well, it's nice because you get two chances to win the gift baskets. I didn't think about that part. But, but <laughs> if they're not having fun, wow, no. does it suck the life out of the whole experience. Exactly. So he got a new playstation 4 game and i got to go to the yard nice and he stayed home and took care of the dog and i got to spend the whole day at my own pace doing my own thing in my own time and i met beautiful artists who just were creating beauty in the world and Mm -hmm. i think you know if people are wondering what the heck does this have to do with the church basement podcast, right? <laughs> you probably like, are wondering that about now. <laughs> like, why are these two people just going on and on about how excited they were about this? So I think for myself personally as Amanda, not just as Pastor Amanda, I experienced so much God in that day, partially because I had the opportunity to just be on my own. And for me, that's really rejuvenating. Mm-hmm. And partially because then in in the time that I had, I was able to connect with people, particularly right now I'm finding a lot of hope and a lot of joy and a lot of beauty in the work of artists Mm -hmm. and in their ability to create things I could never create. Oh, it's a powerful community. It is. And I think, you know, whether I'm thinking about connecting with an artist whose work I have carried with me, whose painting work I've carried with me for years, or my experience of connecting with a pattern designer mm-hmm. on that Saturday and a dye artist that day. And we just talked about creating beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And it was such a wonderful thing to get to talk about rather than worrying or being afraid or talking about You know, everyone can get tired at some point in time of constantly thinking about all of the heavy things that we carry. Mm -hmm. And there is an importance in remembering that there is beauty in this world. And for myself, that was what this yarn crawl reminded me of. That there is just beauty in this world and soft things. Mm -hmm. And things that are gentle on the eyes and not harsh and not cruel. You know, we spend so much time, I spend time keeping up with the news and reading current events and reading information from people and providing pastoral care. And what comes into my eyes oftentimes is a lot of really dark stuff or a lot of scary stuff or a lot of hard stuff or a lot of heavy stuff. And so to spend a day just seeing beautiful things it was incredible. Mm-hmm. It was it was pure gift. For me, it's as much about getting into that other half of my brain and instead of trying to absorb everything and trying to do things just to keep the wheels turning, it's making something creative. It's doing something completely different than cleaning the house and reading the newspaper and all the trudgery. To get into that creative part of my brain does something so wonderful for me that I can tell if I've gone a couple of weeks without doing something creative, I get a little crazy. Right. It's the same as for some folks, the way that they experience this is through their exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. And the physical action and activity of exercise to break out of all of that heavy mental processing mm-hmm. and just to get into the physicality of something. 
when it comes to finding ways to open up and enter into that creative open side of your heart and brain, Mm -hmm. these are gifts that we have. I don't know if any of that just made sense, but I don't know. We're sitting here underneath this beautiful quilt made by children. (laughs) Very colorful. Very colorful, you know, and it's filled with just the joy of this block where it's just scribbles, but you can see the joy of these kids creating things. And I think we oftentimes forget that creating things and making things and doing that is such a part of who we are as children of God. God was a creator Mm -hmm. and God is a creator. And to not let ourselves do that, to constantly always be about what are we producing and what's our productivity. And well, it's the light to balance out the dark for me. Yeah, totally. And it's hard when you get a project that you're like stuck on. So, I mean, I confess I've had this scarf on my needles for four years and I'm so bored with it and I'm really ready to be done with this pattern so that I can move on to something with different colors and different texture and different engaging my brain in a different way. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when you're doing creative stuff, I don't know if you've experienced this with different patterns. Oh girl, I have a scarf that I put down. (laughs) And everybody keeps asking me because I have a knitting group. They're like, aren't you going to work on that scarf? I'm like, someday. (laughs) I'll get back to it. And I really will. (laughs) I know at least one of my knitting friends is listening. I will finish it. Just not yet. (laughs) I'm lucky enough that the needles that that scarf is on are the bent ones. (laughs) Like... Like, I'm not – so there's really no pressure to finish this, right? Because it's not like the needles are desperately needed anywhere else. So there's different kinds of patterns then, right? There are patterns where you don't have to think, where you just get into the rhythm of the pattern. For me – That is the problem with this particular scarf is because I'm knitting with a group and I want to chat with my group. Uh, But I can't because i got to count. Oh, see? That's the challenge, right? Mm -hmm. So I can do that kind of a pattern in crochet. Okay. I can get into a rhythm and just not think and not have to pay attention, especially if I've put a row marker at the end of my row. Mm -hmm. And so I know when the end of the row happens Mm -hmm. and I just turn and go. So I've got a couple of different prayer shawl patterns where there is no thought required. Your hand is really loose anyway. Your tension is extremely loose in the pattern. So you can just kind of do nothing and do Mm -hmm. whatever else. So it's that kind of not engaging the critical part of your brain. And in some ways that really lends towards meditation, Mm -hmm. right? And that opportunity to do the repetitive gentle activity that allows your body to be doing something and so engages your mind in one way, but then allows you to also release Mm -hmm. and do a little bit more of a meditative task. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone that has always wondered, how do I meditate? Or how do I pray, but I need to be doing something? Maybe you're an extrovert who likes to do things, or maybe you're a person who likes to just get things done mm-hmm. a lot of time. And so sitting and being still and praying seems like such a waste of time. Then an activity like this, where you are making something that's not complex, you don't have to think about it, you can let it just happen, could be a way to enter towards a meditation practice for you. Mm-hmm. And then there are the patterns, like you said, that you have to pay attention to. And you have to count and you have to, like, you're engaging in learning. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited. The major piece that I purchased from the yarn crawl, like the big one, is going to be a technique that I've never 
done before. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how to do it. I feel like I'm in way over my head. It's a knitting pattern. So I'm a much more solid crocheter than I am a knitter. And so I'm definitely going to challenge myself, but I'm so excited for the creative challenge. And the colors that I chose are completely out of my normal. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to make something new and to learn something different. And that that's a gift of a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes folks, when it comes to their hobbies and the things that bring them joy, discount that that could be a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Because we think that spiritual practices, like we're in the middle of Lent, right? So spiritual practices should be almsgiving and fasting and It prayer. should be a more painful process. Right? It's got to be hard. Mm -hmm. Actually, it doesn't. God gives us things that bring us joy, and those are the things that can totally feed us spiritually. And you're not taking a shortcut. It's really okay if you're like, I want to stay home from church on Sunday and play with this beautiful yarn because I'm going to feel so close to God and I'm going to be effervescent with joy because I've got this beautiful stuff to do and I see God all over this skein of yarn. Mm-hmm then by all means, play with yarn. If you do that all the time, you will lose the benefit of community. It's always balance, right? You got to balance it. I'm not saying hide from the church. I am saying don't discredit the things that bring you joy as being a part of your spiritual practice. Well, and there's a term that has come up Given the current election cycle, is it craftivism? I haven't heard that term. Craft activism is craftivism. basically what it boils awesome. down to. There's a pink hat project mm -hmm. people may be familiar with, mm -hmm. but there's all sorts of ways that you can use this hobby, use this form of meditation to continue to give and do good in the world. There's lots of ways. There's the Octopus Premi Project. Mm -hmm. I'm and excited about that one. There's one, and forgive me if I offend anybody, but it's called Knitted Knockers. Yes. For those who've had mastectomies. Yes. There are some wonderful ways to use these projects to give back to the world, not unlike the shawl projects and bandages. I know people have knitted bandages for people, all sorts of toys, bags, things for children who have nothing. There's many ways to not only bring joy to yourself but to give a little something back to the rest of the world too. And if your hobby or call or joy is with fabric, right? How many trillions of quilts have yes. been given around the world? Anything like that. And, and using that creativity. And then if you want to take it towards, you know, maybe your hobby is running mm -hmm. and maybe that is what brings your passion. And so you participate in fundraising 5Ks mm -hmm. or... You can use the gifts and the skills and the things that bring you joy to feed yourself, which is important, mm -hmm. and to feed your own spirituality and to feed your own joy, which I think is an important tool to recognize, to serve others in the many ways that Dawn has listed. And it doesn't have to be just if you're making something. If you're an artist who creates things, it can be that you are an amazing organizer and organizing things really brings you joy. So organize some blood drives. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things that we can do to take the things that bring us such joy and put them into good use in the world. 
So it reminds me of a quote by Frederick Buechner, who's one of my favorite writers. Okay. I love Frederick Buechner and how he writes and what he writes. It really resonates with me. And he has a couple of books out that go through the alphabet and have different words and different definitions. Okay. And one of them is a quote about what he says about vocation. Have you heard this one? No, I haven't. Okay. So he starts out, and I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm not going to say it exactly. I don't have it in front of me to read from, but it's one of the many things that I quote him often. And the word vocation comes from the Latin root vocare, which is to call. Okay. So you often hear Christian people talk about, I'm called to this. You'll hear pastors talk about that a lot. This is my calling in life. I couldn't do anything differently. I'm called to this work. But understanding like, well, what is a call? It gets tied into then vocare, to call, and then the word vocation. So a vocation, according to Buechner, is where the world's greatest needs and your greatest joy meet. Oh, nice. So if you are a doctor and you are in the middle of the rainforest treating terrible diseases and keeping people alive you're certainly meeting the world's greatest need. But if you are absolutely miserable while you are doing it, not your vocation. Mm -hmm. In the same sense, if you are completely joyful in what you're doing, but you're not meeting a need of the world, mm, maybe not your vocation. Mm -hmm. So vocation is where those two things collide, where you are meeting a need that is a call in the world, a piece of the world that is needed, and it brings you great joy and delight. There, in that little sweet spot, is your vocation. Oh, that is always the trick, finding that sweet spot, though. It's terribly difficult. And not every day. Like, I think I solidly feel as if in this call I have my vocation, Mm -hmm. right? That where I am currently serving is that. Does that mean that every single day serving at Central brings me the greatest joy in the world? No, there are some days where I'm tired and all I want to do is lay in my bed and hide from the world. I'm Mm -hmm. a human being. But when you take the sum of the days, it's this understanding that where the greatest need is and where your greatest joy is, where they collide, it's great wonder. And I think that, you know, when we say we want to talk about yarn today on the church basement, (laughs) it might seem like we're being silly and just wanting to talk about things that we like. But is that so bad? I don't think so. You know, and in this time of Lent, as we're trying to figure out how do we advance ourselves spiritually, how do we engage with God in powerful ways and in ways that have integrity, engaging in those things that bring joy and can help us find ways to serve and be with others, I think that's right up, right up what we're being called to do. Excellent. Okay, last question. What is your favorite project that you've ever made? I was going to say a done one until, until you said <laughs> that. That is always made. the truth. <laughs> Anything that you can actually finish. Right? It's it's done, so it's my favorite. Uh, favorite project that I have ever done. Oh, man, now it's a harder question. It makes me think of the blanket that I made for my mother and the blanket I made in college for my friends. And, and then I think of my first My Little Pony, Amy Garumi, and sending Dr. Hooves and muffins to my niece and nephew in Florida. And they all have a, a place. And then 
makes me think of my quilting projects and signature blankets from different congregations. And I don't know. I mean, they're kind of like kids, right? I, I, I don't know that I can pick a favorite. Well, when you make something and you can find a good home for it, they really do all kind of become your favorite for right. that reason. Now, I would say that my husband's favorite project that I've done, I did a triple Irish chain quilt while I was on internship. And I did it reverse. So instead of it being like mostly a light blanket mm -hmm. out to dark, there's a little bit of light and it's mostly dark and it's all in blues. And so I called it Storm at Sea. Mm -hmm. And it's a just a twin sized quilt. And he loves that blanket. It is so loved. It lives on the couch, and he and the dog take so many naps on that blanket. Isn't it fantastic when you find that? Yeah. I knitted a baby blanket for a friend, and it ended up that her cat is the one who took this blanket over. And every time I go over there and she sees the cat with the blanket, she apologizes to me. And I can only say to her, are you kidding me? Somebody has that much love for something that I have made? I don't care if it's your cat. I just am thrilled that it's getting love and getting use. Right. Yeah. So yourself, your favorite project you've ever made? I don't know that I necessarily have a favorite either, but I do love the ones where even when your mistake is there and you know it's there, it still turns out to be fantastic because I knitted a scarf for my son and I knew that there was a couple of places where I purled where I should have knitted. <laughs> And I saw it once in the lost and found bin. And I'm like, that looks familiar. It looks like one I knitted for my son. So I went looking and went looking for my mistake. Hey, guess what? <laughs> that was a scarf. <laughs> Pulled it out of the, the lost and found and went on my merry way. That is awesome. So take the mistakes as well as the perfect ones. That's right. They're all important. That's right. What's the favorite project you're looking forward to? The one I'm looking forward to, mm -hmm. oh, there's this cowl slash shawl that I'm embarking on making out of lace weight yarn, which means it's going to take me forever. <laughs> but I saw it on a coworker and I fell in love instantly. So I have high hopes for this thing. Nice. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about faith and hobbies and just sitting and talking yarn. <laughs> I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for taking the time to listen to us talk about yarn, but also to take the time to contemplate where your greatest joy meets the world's deepest needs. I hope that you are able to listen for that moment and space in your life. You can always find us on Facebook as well as on our website, www.centralportland.org. We would love to have you follow us on iTunes, and we would actually love to hear back from you. If you have a creative project that you're working on, and you are daring enough to snap a picture and chuck it up on our Facebook page, we would adore seeing it. In the meantime, until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what. <laughs>